When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. And I'm Mike Templeton. And so, yeah. uh, that was a little that was a little weird. Yeah. Kind of kind of threw the cadence off there. Um but yeah, Keith's not joining us this week. Uh we miss him already. Uh yeah. He there was this whole incident with like a leech and he lost the ability to podcast. He's become a baby, Keith. Yeah. He tries to talk over the mic and he just it's impossible. <laughs> No, we're talking about the Turtles comic with a blood-sucking leech. <laughs> so anyway, uh, after this, I, we're going to be hunting down that leech, and hopefully he'll be back next week. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about the River Trilogy uh, from Mirage this week, um, written and drawn by Rick Veach. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Veitch, I've never known how to say his last name. I think it's Veitch. I've always and said I've, it Veitch. I've looked it up and I didn't see any way to pronounce it. So, Rick, if you're listening to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour, I am sorry if I butchered your last name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I this is this is again one of those like Mirage books that I hadn't heard of, but like I kind of knew about. Like I've heard of Bloodsucker, the Mutant Leech. Mm-hmm. Um, that was back when I used to be on the Technodrome forums and like was, you know, taking my bigger step or, you know, my steps into a bigger world of turtles and learning about all the stuff in Mirage. So it, it was kind of neat to finally have some context to the giant, very toned <laughs> leech man. Yeah. Cause he's thick. Whew, He's he is thick and he has got a booty. Yeah, but you know I don't know that horrifying four-eyed face and. Oh yeah, definitely not kissable. Mm-mm. Not gonna smooch that face. No, unless um, you want to just you know, also have your blood sucked out of your body. <laughs> but uh, this this book's also kind of notorious for being really hard to get, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so Rick Veach has kind of held on to the rights for this book because it was part of the guest era that we've mentioned before about Mirage. So there's there's some rights issues, and especially now that Nickelodeon owns them, uh, it seems like Rick is hanging on to those rights and yeah. isn't letting him republish them. So, so what, the, what the story behind all that is, is Mirage did try to buy back the rights. Uh, so Peter Laird pretty much brought in some corporate people to manage the company because mm. it's a lot. Uh, and so when those corporate people came in, they went to all of 
the people who wrote stuff during the guest eras and essentially tried to pay them a lump sum to just buy the whole issues and they could retain those rights or not. So before they would make money off of each issue being sold, after they bought that, that wouldn't be happening anymore, but they would get a big lump sum of money. And so that was kind of the deal. Rick Veach refused it. Okay. So, so this arc and as well as a Casey Jones miniseries, that's two issues long and um, Sky Highway, another issue in the series are all not available uh, as part of like collections for Mighty W. And so I was reading that um, that's kind of the reason why most of the guest era is considered non-canon also because a lot of them were pretty wacky, but even stories like this, where it technically, this could have been a tales of the TMNT issue. Yeah. Well, because something that's interesting is Peter Laird, when he declared his canon, he said everything written by a Mirage, uh, by someone in-house at Mirage, is canon. But one of those books, the the next one we'll be reading after this, actually references this story. So, like, you kind of almost have to include it in the canon. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, so it's it's technically canon asterisk <laughs> kind, yeah. of, kind of thing um but uh yeah why don't we uh why don't we stop y- yipping and yawn about it and uh tell a story the ancient one did tell me a story i think you guys would want to hear about master splinter's master hamato yoshi well let's hear it as we said this is all written and illustrated by rick Beach, this whole arc so it starts with the turtles training outdoors with Splinter, and Splinter notes that Raphael is the weak link. At the end of the session, Raphael disrespectfully leaves without bowing to his master, and then Splinter states to the turtles that remain that uh, he was going to teach them some more advanced lessons and you know move them forward, but it doesn't seem like they're ready since Raphael left. So the other turtles are now upset with Raphael and chase him to a river, and eventually they tease him with a leech, and they learn that he's scared of it, and so they put it on him and then throw him into the water. Uh, Raphael pulls it off his body and throws it away. The next day, Raphael is now struggling during their training session, a lot more than he was the day before. Uh, And he ends up passing out. They are dismissed and they go to the river to cool off. And they notice in the river that there's a large snapping turtle. And then they see something preying on it. So they jump in after it to save the snapping turtle and chase it to a hole. And they see that it's a ginormous leech. Uh, Raphael decides to plug the hole with his shell while the others get splinter and some blades. He also says there's no way that it could get through his shell. And boy, was he wrong. Oh boy, was he wrong. Yeah. When the turtles come back, Raphael is weak and collapses and the leech is sitting on top of his shell and it now has arms and legs. Leo dices it up. And for the next couple of days, everyone begins to notice that Raphael's abilities and mental faculties are deteriorating. And then they realize that the leech must have absorbed the mutagen in him and he's now reverting to a normal turtle. They search for the leech at the river and then the game warden shows up, but it's not the game warden. It's the leech. Dun, dun, dun. And he's now given the name Bloodsucker and he's wearing the game warden's clothes and he also is in his boat. Casey finds the real game warden's body off to the side of the river and Bloodsucker escapes in his boat. Raph is now small enough to be held by April. 
So then we begin issue 25, River Hymn. It begins with three boys going down to a river in their town to fish. And they note that if Officer Manigan catches them, they're going to be in trouble. He's told them not to go down there. They see a boat approaching and uh, think it's the game warden, so they hide. Of course, it's not the game warden, it's Bloodsucker. He knows that they're there and he chases them and tries to suck their blood and, you know, do what leeches do, except for, you know, he'll kill these boys. But luckily, the turtles are there and they jump in just in time to give the boys some time to escape. The turtles, however, lose their fight with Bloodsucker and he beats them by ripping a tree out of the ground and pinning them down under it inside this river so that they're drowning. We now cut to April and Casey, who seem to have split up from the turtles in their search for Bloodsucker. They're also with Raphael, a little tiny turtle in April's hands, looking for Bloodsucker. Sorry, he's a little tiny turtle in April's hands. Casey is speeding, and he then uh, a cop pulls out and tries to pull him over, and Casey tries to outrun him. But uh, his gear shifter breaks, and so he is now forced to stop for the cop and the cop is now going to arrest him. So after the cop handcuffs Casey, the boys find the cop and tell Officer Manigan, that's who this is, everything that happened down by the river. Upon hearing the bloodsucker is there, Casey decides to jump off of the bridge that they're pulled over on into the river below while handcuffed. April gets arrested and Raph gets left behind and April and the boys end up being taken down to the station. Meanwhile, Raphael crawls out of the car just to be hit by another car coming and fly off the bridge. Luckily, his shell protects him. And after he hits the ground, he is picked up by a mysterious figure who is disappointed with the madness being caused by someone with the name Booter. He rescues, he rescues Raphael. As I said, he just picked him up. And he's also got Casey over his shoulder. Casey awakens in the cavern filled with ancient carvings. As he wakes up, he's met by Leo, Don, Mikey, and Raph, who's now being held by Leo. And the turtles introduce him to this mysterious stranger, a Native American named Abenak, who's the last surviving member of the Algonquin Nation living in Connecticut. The boys learn that Abenak is the one who pulled the boys to safety, and then he begins telling their story. 400 years ago, this area was the home of his people, and the caves that they're in now were their holy land. And then everything was fine and dandy until Colonel Booter showed up. He brought an army who then took over and killed all of Abenak's people and began to take over the land. Abenak has been defending the area as the ghost of the river uh, for years. And he's been carving all of the carvings that everybody's been seeing uh, for a while uh, as effigies for his people. Abenak then takes everybody deeper into the tunnels, uh, explaining that nobody really knows about this area's bloody history. And that the current booter who runs Booter's Falls uh, is just as bad as all the other ones. Abenak says that his destiny is to make Booter pay for the death factories that he's set up. As the turtles try to sneak into the factory, Booter is yelling at Manigan. Booter fears that the mutant boys, that uh, the mutants that the boys saw were created by his pollution. So he wants to have everything dealt with before the EPA can come and take care of them. 
As everybody arrives, Booter's armed men informed him that they've heard voices from below. Someone is climbing up the ladder. Booter leans over, and as Abenak is still telling him more stories about what happened, Booter leans over and shoots Abenak in the face. But the gun wasn't a real gun. It was loaded with rock salt, apparently, only knocking Abenak off the ladder. As everybody is fighting uh, with Booter, uh, Booter tries to escape. However, Abenak catches him uh, and says they have they have some dialogue about this. This, this is what got, this one got me actually. Uh, they were having some dialogue back and forth, and Booter goes, "What am I supposed to do? Give you your lamb back?" And then he goes, "I'll start with a couple of acres and knees Abenak in the groin." <laughs> Hands down, I, that made me crack up. Uh, yeah, he see Booter is quite the quite the character. He's quite the character. <laughs> uh, fights ensues, and as Booter tries to escape, he jumps into a car, tries to get away, only to find bloodsuckers sitting sitting in the back seat. He begins to devour Booter. The factory begins to flood. Everybody escapes. Uh, Splinter is still meditating uh, on all of this down the river. So we get to issue three, which is Old Man River. Splinter's still meditating as everybody tries to uh, track down Bloodsucker. Uh, Casey and April are working on the car, which is broken down again. Um, everybody came with them. So Abenak is with uh, everybody this time. And he decides, or he, everything just happens to stop. The car breaks down at a spot where there happens to be an old Algonquin canoe that Abenak has everybody hop into and he'll take them the rest of the way, but only the turtles. He leaves Casey and April behind. As they get down this, as they get down the way, the turtles are introduced to Old Man River, who's the guardian of the guardian of the river, the master of the guardian of the river. Uh, it turns out that Old Man River has taken an interest in the turtles, having uh, with the turtles having touched his river and him becoming aware of them, he's now taking an interest in them and has set up all of the plans in motion. So everything going back to the little leech that sucked the mutagen out of Raph uh, has been all of the plan of Old Man River. The turtles aren't too happy about this uh, and want to try and fight him, but they can't. Uh, Bloodsucker shows up and begins to uh, capture the turtles and starts to devour them. Old Man River now not having any need for the turtles now that he has their blood and he feels that Bloodsucker is a better example of somebody that can uh, he can study to learn what's so fascinating about them. Uh, over on the other side of the river, uh, Master Splinter is still meditating and at some point he reaches Nirvana and does a psychic punch that punches Old Man River uh, <laughs> out of all of his power and begins to start his de-evolution, de just like what's happening to Raph. Uh, he starts to become a baby and Abenak comes to his senses and realizes that his master is not everything that he thought he was. Uh, as the turtles try to figure out what's going on, a baby Raph starts chomping down on Bloodsucker. As the turtles try to regain their strength, they notice that Bloodsucker is gone and in his place is standing a remutated Raph. Further upstream, uh, the turtles are uh, reunited with Abenak, who explains uh, the error of his ways, and he apologizes. Uh, even further up the stream, there is a glowing human embryo in the water 
getting chased by a leech. The end. That's it. That's yeah. It's, that's the story. Uh, you know what? It was definitely weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, but I don't know. I I feel like it does go along with the rest of how these comics feel. You know, it doesn't feel super out of place. It's weird, but this one could kind of fit. I feel like. Yeah, uh, I think we should uh, do a second time around. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, uh, nice junk. So one of the big things that I like to, well, I want to point out about Rick Veach is that before this, he worked on Swamp Thing for a few years. I was going to say, it is very Swamp Thing-esque. It is. And, and that's what he was doing probably up till about a year before working on these issues. It might have mm-hmm. been a little bit less than that. Because I think these are 1991, right? Um, 89, no. sorry. Yeah, it's 89. Way off, 89. Yeah, and I think he finished up in an 88 on uh, Swamp Thing is what I want to say that he was done with, with his bit. Um, so yeah, it's it's very Swamp Thingy. It's very, has a lot of horror vibes. Uh, same with the other issue that he'll write. We'll talk about that one later. But it definitely influences how he writes Turtles. And for some reason, it, he kind of skews it a bit more to like horror storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I like it. I think it's cool. And it, it's an interesting, different kind of story we get because like i said i still feel like it works it 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 does i mean there's there's definite parts that just to me haven't aged well um Mm -hmm. but it's it's neat in the sense that yeah like you're right it is definitely a very kind of horror-esque story um it to me it it really didn't come together until old man river um i think out of the three, that was the best issue. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it, it's it's the first one and the third one for me. Oh, first, see, first, third, second. Huh. For me, I preferred the second one. Out Sorry, of all third, of third, first, second. That's my order. Yeah, for me, I preferred the second and then the third and then the first one goes in last for me. Um, and it's it like like you said, it, it's 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 neat with the different horror elements um and yeah it it it, this definitely could have been like i said another tales issue Mm -hmm. um just because it i guess because it came right after uh return to new york like in terms of what we're reading this feels like this feels like this could have been back in the in the tales era yeah, well, I mean, you'll notice that the whole guest issue is going to feel that way. Yeah. The whole guest era. It's, you know, like I said, after Return to New York, they go back to, to Northampton. Mm-hmm. And so we spend all of the rest of the guest era in Northampton. With like a few exceptions. It's just, it's funny to me, like, how much is going on in Northampton. <laughs> like, yeah. You, like, and, and that's cool, like. You know, when I when I was younger, I made a um, you know I made my own superhero. We all did, mm-hmm. um, and I based them in Los Angeles, yeah, um, because you know that's about where I grew up. So it it you know I I get it. I get wanting to represent your hometown mm-hmm. in that way. Um, it's just funny to me because you don't think of like Connecticut as this nexus of weirdness. Yeah, 
you know. Um, but no, I mean, overall, it was it was a treat to read. Um, I'm glad I read them. I'm glad that I know now <laughs> this story. Yeah. Yeah, another thing that I don't know, like, is it, I mean, I, I don't know. I even hesitate to say it because I don't know if it's a slur or not. Mm. Is the word engine, like... So I was saving that for my anchovies. So <laughs> if you want to move on. Yeah, I mean, we will, I have a few other things for the second time around. I've got Keith's notes. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. He, that so he left Keith, us Keith lovingly he got turned into a baby. Yeah, Keith lovingly left us all these notes as he was de-evolving. Yeah, he was just like, here, here's my notes. Yeah. I, uh, Avenge me, remember me. Mew, mew. We, and we will, as soon as we're done. Uh, as soon as we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Splinter refers to the Utroms as the TCRI. He does. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that was and that was the thing. Like they mentioned there was a callback to like, why don't you just get more mutagen? And Splinter says the TCRI. Mm-hmm. So and yeah. That felt weird. Yeah, I don't think that we've so I guess like he said, uh, he doesn't think we've heard him referred to referred to as Utroms in the Mirage comics, and he's I, he's right as far as I can tell. Also, for those of you keeping track at home, Splinter is now a twelfth level ninja master. Uh, yep. <laughs> I didn't know there were levels to it. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, that's just like a video game. That's how you level up. Uh, he mentioned that Gary Fields is the letterer for issue 26, replacing Steve Levine. Uh, while this is Gary Fields' only Mirage credit, he'll go on to be the primary letterer for the TMNT Adventures comic from Archie. Yeah, and that's, that's really cool. Uh, Keith also always likes to point out like extra pinups or uh, extra stuff in the original books. Um, he mentions there's zero extra material in, in these issues. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to flex on us in spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? He says that a few years ago, I found the collected book of this Mirage of this Mirage of this story Mirage published in 1991. It was at a comic shop that usually puts old trades in bags with an, with a price tag or puts a price sticker on the inside cover. This one was loose, no bag or sticker. I took it to the counter and asked about the price and the guy uh, at the guy at the counter flipped over the book and said 6.95, the price printed on the book when it was first published. Low key, one of the best bargains I've found the book is currently on Amazon for $90 and eBay for $250. Shop local folks. Uh, always check your local comic book store because uh, you yeah. never know. You never know what you'll find. Um, but no, Keith's right. Uh, this book uh, was originally only published in, uh, hang on, what was it called? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the collected book number six. Um, and I feel like I've seen it before too at my local comic shop. So I've definitely got to go check it out. Yeah. No, I mean, I haven't seen it anywhere. I, I ran into it on Amazon and like the cheapest I found it and it was like used and like, it was like 45 bucks and 45 bucks for three issues. Like it's a lot of money, you know? <laughs> it, it is. Um, it, it's definitely a lot of money um, for three issues. But I mean, there's, there's history to these three issues too. And the fact that they're so hard to get. Mm -hmm. um, so I think... Uh, I think, I think 45 bucks is definitely worth it. Um, would I pay 90 for these? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
No, I mean, so there's the history, and so the 45 isn't the worst I've ever heard for anything, yeah. but at the same time, it's still a lot of money for oh, yeah. a three-issue trade. I've paid more for stupider crap, so. Yeah. I guess it is 120 pages, though, since these are 40-page issues, if that's yeah. any consolation. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and, and that was the thing. Like, these these issues were long. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely some of the longest that I've ever seen. Yeah. And I think, though... I want to add, like, this is, I guess, a different note, that this is where the inspiration for the mutation of Jenica kind of came from. I mean, like, yes, there really? is the She-Hulk origin story. Like, uh, in the lore, in the lore here, this is the first time we ever heard of the mutagen actually being in the turtle's blood. So I feel okay. like Loki kind of inspired Jenica's transformation in the IDW series. Well, Tom will, Tom will have to come back on the show and answer that for us, I think. Yeah. So, I, like I said, it is very similar to the She-Hulk thing, and so it could have just been they went the She-Hulk route. But I think that they kind of decided this is an in-universe part of the lore of the Ninja Turtles thing they could do with the blood transfusion. Well, I mean, that's also been brought up a couple times in, in Ninja Turtles, um, even as recent as like the um, the 2014 movie. Yeah. Um, when they were trying to, you know, extract the mutagen. Uh, from the turtles to kind of recreate it because they were you know mutated accidents in that movie um mm-hmm. idw did it too when um at the very beginning of the run when old hob had to track down you know the turtles and splinter because splinter had the most pure version of the mutagen and then they wound just wound up using old hob instead yeah um so i mean yeah this book probably established that for future stories yeah and so that's the first time that we've ever heard of it and it, it is kind of cool another thing i wanted to add is there is a cowabunga that is said while they are riding the fish there is yep caught that it, it took me a second i was like is this the first one no we got we got the first one recently so yeah but you know it was it was used in there that's all i had for for this section if yeah you... i think it's time to get those anchovies all right anchovies no anchovies you put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble okay I can't let you know. so at the beginning first issue of this issue 24 there is some mm-hmm. weird dialogue to me when the brothers are first talking like they're saying something like brother Raphael and in things and it sounds really weird it the dialogue is extremely weird in all three issues really um it it took me out of it because i've made this feel like going back to this feeling like a tales issue Mm -hmm. this didn't feel like it took place in like modern turtles and it wasn't until like casey and april were there when i was like oh yeah like where's this is like northampton (laughs) like still yeah um like i thought this was like past turtles because like the turtles all seem a little dumber um or just mm-hmm. not as mature um especially raf and like raf being the weakest link was kind of weird like you can't I mean like raf is usually the weakest link in the sense that you know he's always angry and stuff like that but like this just genuinely made raf feel like he was bad and dumb yeah i, I mean i feel like it was kind of uh i don't know to me it felt more like it was just saying that he was the most undisciplined you See, know. I didn't get that. I didn't. I didn't get that from that. 
uh, from all the dialogue in here. Like I just, I just really felt like they were picking on Raph. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, and like I said, it it feels like you know kids making f- like not teenagers like kids making fun of like their sibling. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just the dialogue just didn't work for me. Um, Splinter sitting out three issues, meditating. Like, to be honest, those were the most boring sections. Yeah. For me, um, I'm also the guy who. You know, when I read Watchmen, I skipped over all of the black, um, the, uh, I don't even remember what it's called. Um, the inserts with the pirate ship <laughs> in Watchmen. Um, because like those were boring for me. And I get that they add context to the overall story. It just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. You don't like the, the poetic uh inserts that kind of, you know, make the story feel like no, a little... No, because ultimately, ultimately, like, with with the one in Watchmen, it like I get it because like I knew what that was about because that you know that was an allegory for a lot of what was going on in the book at the time, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's a lot of metaphors. With this, it just felt like Splinter was sitting out the action. Yeah, and he, you know he was very hands off, very kind of nonchalant, like oh one of my boys turned into a baby turtle again, like okay like he didn't seem overly concerned. Yeah. I'd say that is one of the things about Mirage Splinter though, is he does kind of feel a little bit distant from the rest of the family, honestly, like throughout these books. I mean, like once, once they kill Shredder, like there's nothing for Splinter at that point. Yeah. You know, like he trained them to be assassins. They did their job, you know, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you so, won't yeah. You won't get to see him get like a character arc now until City at War. <laughs> you know, and then they kind of do something oh, like yeah. a, you know, he kind of does go through a whole like what am I supposed to do more, you know, type of thing. Yeah, like he um I I definitely don't feel like he's gonna have another arc. Um un- until then, like the only two notable things I know of Splinter from Mirage is that, you know, he trained them to be assassins and then he has a heart attack and dies in volume four. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's pretty much Mirage Splinter. Yeah. Now he's definitely not the strongest of the splinters as far as like character building goes, you know, that definitely goes to the IDW series. I feel like personally, you know, they give him a lot of history in that one. Yeah, like that, like that's one of the best splinters. I'm gonna say it. Rise is one of the best splinters. You know, it's I, I like it when they give Splinter more to do other than just being the mystic ninja person. You know, mm-hmm. give like IDW Splinter, like when he takes over the foot, like that's legitimately like, whoa. Yeah. Like he's becoming he's becoming what he hated. Like and he wants to do it you know it's like that was genuinely interesting Mm -hmm. you know um this splinter like he's kind of one and done and i just he had no purpose in these issues Mm -hmm. i Um, mean it seems like when he was meditating other than his psychic punch yeah he's a psychic punch that's what it seems like is that he's kind of spending his time like connected to the river trying to guide things and help them because it says something about him like 
um, affecting their future by doing this. And so it seems like he's moving energy around and stuff, which honestly, if you want to look at it that way, this could also explain what he was doing during return to New York that he was, you know, if he is actually able to connect with things and like help in, in ways that are unseen that okay. might be going on during return to New York, you know? Okay. And see like that, that's a good angle. Um, it just, that doesn't come across. Oh, for sure. No, I, I agree. And that's all I'm saying. Cause that's, that's what it sounded like to me. Cause it says in this issue that he, mm-hmm. you know, affected things that way. So, you know, if you want to have a headcanon thing for what was Splinter doing during <laughs> Return yeah, to New yeah. York. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, Bloodsucker as a bad guy. Um, I It was so weird how they named him Bloodsucker. Like Splinter's the first one that calls him Bloodsucker. But it's not like he doesn't call him a Bloodsucker. He literally like gives him his villain name. Mm-hmm. And they all just kind of roll with it. Um, I just thought that was weird. I don't know. Splinter just being like, you bloodsucker. And then, you know, everyone's just like, actually, that's, that's, that's actually, pretty cool. Yeah, actually, bloodsucker TM. Okay, yeah, trademark that. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Put it on a shirt. Um, yeah, it's just it's just weird. Um, but I mean, like, it's it's perfect weird in the sense that, you know, this is Mirage Turtles. So yeah, and it, it works. Yeah, it feels comic booky to me. I mean, like, that's, there's a lot of comic books that, you know, people get their names from. Yeah. Something like that. You know, like, that's how their superhero name comes about. It's like, that's why, like, one name. of my favorite things about 2012 was Michelangelo wanting to name the villains. Uh, that's just one of my favorite gags. And, like, that's a bloodsucker is a name that I could see Michelangelo, you know, coming up with in a series that allows him to say blood. <laughs> Cause obviously yeah. you can't do that in a lot of kids shows. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really care for that gag, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was my favorite gag. I thought it was yeah. cute. Um, so, okay. So that, so that was down to the river. Um, river him was the se- the second issue where like they meet the boys and then we get officer man again mm-hmm. and this is where it started to slog for me mm-hmm. it was just like it just felt like i i i at one point i was like i have to be in the third issue already <laughs> like it was it was weird um I, yeah, I just, this, this whole issue with all booter um, and I teased it. So I'm going to get into it. The whole Abenak thing just feels really kind of gross. You know, it's mystic native American coming to save the day. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, in the eighties. Okay. Yeah. Like that was a thing, you know, writers did. Um, It just feels kind of gross. Um, I did think it was kind of funny when like Casey wakes up and he's like, he's telling him the story about how they lost their land. And Casey's like, let me guess the white man took it. Yeah. And I was like, did Peter Laird sub in for a second? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, I guess, I don't know. I've never really seen that trope as like much of a negative thing myself. 
Um, I can understand why, like, you know, talking about it, like, why it could be, you know, that like, whole mysticism thing that people have problems with. And, that's what that's what I was going to say. It's it's very much like mis, mystic orient, orientalism mm-hmm. uh, where they do it to Native Americans. Like, you know, Native Americans are mystic people, you mm-hmm. know, um, and it's like it just, it just feels gross and kind of exploitive of a culture. Yeah. Like for me, the one thing uh, that especially, I, I, saying, I was, especially yeah. especially when the person writing it isn't of that culture. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things like, you know, ah, you can't you can't make fun of people that aren't your culture. It's like, well, you can't you shouldn't be able to write people that aren't your culture either. Like I get it, you can include them, but like it just feels weird. Especially for Native Americans. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I think you could you can write people of other cultures. You just need to do your research and try to be respectful. You know, that, no, that, that's that's and that's what I was saying. Like you can do it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it was done well here. And it okay. So according to Wikipedia, doing you know the barest amount of research that I'm doing, um, it seems like Algonquin people are uh, like closer to Canada than this area. So maybe maybe Algonquin might not have been the correct Native American tribe to put there. But uh, again, doing I have not done that much research into it, so I don't so that one I can't say is a definitely definite faux pas. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I will say is the internet didn't exist at this time. So I guess if you want to do research, that is also work. true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He would have had to read two books. <laughs> but yeah. Two books, find an encyclopedia, like, <laughs> but at um, the end of the day, it could have been done a lot more tastefully. Yeah. Um, and, and that's all I'm saying. Like it, it just could have been done a little bit more tastefully. Um, even back then it could have uh, mm-hmm. definitely nowadays it would be. Um, uh tonally this dip, this book just felt so different because we were dealing like with you know at first in the first issue it was kind of just funk like funky mutant stuff mm-hmm. uh and then this issue gets really weird like native american mysticism and then the third issue old man river gets really weird like druidic mysticism um so it just kind of bounced all over the place in a way like i i I mentioned gargoyles because like gargoyles would like gargoyles kind of combined a a lot of like myths and like in gargoyles all gods existed all fairy tales were true kind of thing so like Mm -hmm. you had you know odin hanging out with you know zeus and you know uh Anansi from Africa and Coyote, the Native American trickster god. Um, or was that Raven? I can't remember. <laughs> it's been a while since I've watched that episode. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm not sure on those either. But um, like that, that worked in a, in, in a way that like this just kind of felt, I don't know. Cause like Old Man River is like, he looks like old and like Merlin esque wizard. Like, and so like having him be a druid on like this river in, you know, Northeastern America, just, it just felt weird. I feel like I'm saying that a lot, like how weird this book feels. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it, 
like I said, it feels very swamp thingy. Uh, and like, I could see a lot of this kind of thing like happening in swamp thing. Maybe not once again, like, I don't know, Alan Moore was able to write things a little bit more tastefully. I feel like yeah. when it came to, to different cultures and things, but, uh, it, it definitely just feels like it belongs along those lines and like everything is connected. Uh, that that's, like I said, it's definitely the vibes I get from this or swamp thing vibes. That didn't really bug me that much. The one thing that is weird is like, for me is it's one thing for like the mutagen to just kind of be absorbed in their blood. I can just be like, all right, yeah, whatever. I can get over that. Like yeah. that's, that's still weird that they still have the mutagen in their body, but yeah, sure. They absorbed it. It's, it's a part of them. I can, I can accept that. Okay. But like the fact that it then gets like removed from their body and then causes them to revert. Like that means like blood loss is like super would be incredibly like horrible for the turtles. Yeah, it would be incredibly problematic for the turtles, yeah. especially like, it, it wasn't just they were regressing like he he made it seem like they were de-evolving and then like not only and then just like they, they said like raf was going back to an egg form like why wouldn't he just go back to being a baby turtle like why yeah. would he go back to being an egg yeah it's it's really weird that way so like that kind of bugged me a little bit like first issue like how we're we supposed to get bloodsucker it's like like just just put the mutagen and you know have the mutagen just be inside of them but you, I guess you had to put Raphael on some sort of peril. I did. I did no. think it was funny that they were talking about like what to do with the leech, and then Leo goes immediately into chopping it up. Yeah. Uh, and then three days later, they try to go find it in the in the river where he sliced it up. Like, it seems like it's still gonna be there. <laughs> yeah. Like other creatures aren't going to eat it. Maybe some of them washed up to the shore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, what were you gonna do with that, with that baby leech? Like, how much blood did it suck? You know, it, it to to mutate. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I had to say as far as the complaints. Yeah, same here. Like it, other than other than other than just being extremely weird. Um, let's talk about what I liked. Oh, I love being a turtle. So I do kind of like the fighting between the brothers, like the the infighting that they have in here. I feel like there's quite just a bit of like, I don't know, sibling bickery. Yeah, going it's, on. it's it's a little different than the normal like angry that they usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little weird to have them all genuinely want to pick on Raph, but also at the same time it was different because you never really see them want to go pick on each other like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I liked that. Yeah, and I know you didn't like the parts of Splinter, but I myself do like the pretentious poetic stuff. Okay, that's fine. That's <laughs> when they fine. insert it in stories, uh, that you know, kind of serve as like you know allegories or different things of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I just like the description of how like Splinter is training them and like how it uses the figurative language to be like, you know, how he's trying to push them further and help them understand things, and they're just not quite getting it. Uh, I think it's how he uses the force with them. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know, just it's an interesting way to talk about teaching. I kind of found it interesting. No, I mean it, it. The Splinter stuff. It wasn't bad. It just it just felt so, like, because it, it it was literally all he did for yeah. three issues. Yeah. Like if it if it was maybe an issue where he decided he was going to do that, I wouldn't feel so strongly against it. Mm-hmm. Um. It, but the fact that it was all three issues, that's all he did. 
Like that's that's what played a part in it. Yeah. Like he also, doesn't actively try to go help them, you know. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah. I did like it talking about Splinter's meditation in connection with the astral plane during those things, though. To me, I found that interesting how he was able to, I guess, influence and in, in try and find the root of everything mm. uh, with it, his searching and, and polling and stuff. I don't know. I like the descriptions of it and how he's how he how he's meditating and like you know connecting with everything on that level. Yeah, like it wasn't i didn't think it was pretentious like i said mm-hmm. if it just didn't go on for three issues i wouldn't mind yeah i also actually like bloodsucker i do too i think i think bloodsucker is a fun villain i think he's a fun 87 type villain um it's uh it's interesting mm-hmm. um because like i said the, the they they drew him especially in issue three they drew him really hot <laughs> you know <laughs> he's really buff and really naked um especially after wearing like the game warden's clothes for the first two issues uh-huh um so to have him just like that opening that first page of issue three of this and it's just bloodsucker doing like a stretch and you know <laughs> He's standing um, like soaking wet under a waterfall. <laughs> yeah. And it's um it's it's very 80s. Um but it's I I don't know, like to me to me it's kind of it's it's very classic 80s uh you know comic bad guy. It feels weird being a turtles bad guy. Um but like at the same time, like I I knew about this through like you know, somebody had it in their uh, forum signature on the Technodrome forum. So, like, that was my introduction to Bloodsucker, and it was literally this picture. Yeah, I, I like him in the Game Warden suit. You know, I feel like I feel like yeah. that could have just, like, been a part of the 87 line, honestly. It's just this leech in a Game Warden uniform. You could have thrown that. Yeah. Like, you could, you could make an action figure of that with the 87 figures, like, that whole series. And I would be like, oh, yeah. All right, sure, Bloodsucker, yeah. <laughs> he belongs in there. I mean, you couldn't really call him Bloodsucker if you were going to put him in a toy line. At no. least not like this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and he's not a bad villain. I he's he's genuinely kind of creepy. He's mm-hmm. a little too articulate for me. Like he's very chatty. Mm-hmm. Um, and very like very smart for somebody that just mutated three days ago. Yeah. Because uh, that's the thing is like this whole story only takes place over three days. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's kind of explained by the old man River though. I think he kind of gives him the he he does he like says old he man gave River knowledge and stuff. Yeah. So old man River like explains that he, um, that he made him smarter and stuff. Um, but yeah, it it's you know it it's it's just wacky turtles. Yeah. You get it. Um, I, I really like actually seeing Casey pulling inspiration from movies in this because like we've talked before mm-hmm. about how he's inspired by bad TV, but in this he's just like, I'm going to pull a Steve McQueen. 
<laughs> and then his gear shifter pulls out. Like, oh, I Steve love the Jansen. moments. Oh, Steve, Steve McQueen for the, for the car. Yeah. And then, uh, I can't, remember, I think it was Steve Jansen, the stunt man or the, the actor, fugitive. Sure. Uh, when he jumps off the bridge uh, the and then fugitive. like he lands in the water, he's like, Oh, I bet he had, a, I bet he used a stunt man. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Like I, I loved the Casey moments in this. Like, I feel like I really like it when Rick Beach writes Casey and I would love to read if I can ever get my hands on it, that Casey Jones miniseries, because I, I think it'd probably be pretty good. But yeah, it was really cool to actually see him doing that because we've been told that he pulls his inspiration from bad TV, but now we get to like, see him actually say like oh yeah i'm gonna be steve mcqueen right here and then his gear shifter yeah <laughs> breaks out and i mean and april has her whole kind of little arc where she's like you know uh men never listen to the women and she's the one who fixes the gear shifter with the screwdriver and bobby pins yeah i was gonna add that that's like my favorite quote is her it's amazing what a girl can do with an old screwdriver and a couple of hairpins yeah you know she's fixed this gear shifter with, with the screwdriver and is able to drive the car yeah it's just a great like it, when, once again it's another moment that actually made me laugh i guess those are the moments that made me like issue two more than the other ones mm-hmm. is the casey and april stuff uh they made me laugh i also do kind of like the the action moments in them as well uh the other quote that i love from this is just we're ninja we specialize in the impossible yeah like that that's a cool like you know that's a cool video game quote kind of yeah thing i like that it's a fun over the top quote that i I just like over the top like super like oh yeah i'm so cool quotes they're just fun. yeah i think over overall like these weren't bad these were bad issues at all these are probably some of the most interesting mirage issues Mm -hmm. um that i've that i've read so far yeah they're probably the best of the guest era some of the best of the guest era at least yeah definitely agree with you there uh there's the fight with bloodsucker though as well with Raphael and like him you know beating him at the end i did like how that played out how he ate him yeah i mean like yeah there was the weird eating him thing and like that was weird but when he actually like after he gets his strength back and he's just kind of i don't know beat him you know and leo's like no nah, he wants yeah. it this way stand back like I yeah like and they're like uh oh, let, let him let him do it Mm-hmm. I did like that moment. Once again, it's weird to have the whole mutagen transfer happen through ingestion of people in their body. Parts yeah, especially, especially, especially the way like he gets it back out of him. Yeah, that, that felt a little weird. Yeah, it, it is definitely very bizarre. Maybe Splinter was also manipulating the river and helping that happen. I don't know. Yeah, like it's it doesn't ever say that, so that would once again, be a headcanon thing, but it is weird that that's how he got it back. But after he does get it back and he's just fighting Bloodsucker, it does feel triumphant and it does feel pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. I liked it. His no, emergence from the waterfall. I yeah, that, that, that was a cool shot of him coming out of mm-hmm. the waterfall. Yeah. I think just the whole fight underneath a waterfall for some reason is just cool. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So... What a fun couple of issues this was. Yeah. I remember seeing years ago a, I think this was also on the Technodrome forum or somewhere, somebody made like a custom uh, Bloodsucker figure. Oh, wow. Um, 
and it's like it's a it's like a dc swamp thing kind of figure with like a custom head um looks really cool yeah it does sound like it look really cool i think honestly i'm kind of surprised that they haven't like tried to well never mind i guess i'm not that surprised since no one has the rights to this book as i was saying i'm kind of surprised that they haven't tried to bring bloodsucker back because it'd be really easy (laughs) yeah i think i think that's kind of a problem yeah like they'll that that kind of explains like we why we haven't seen bloodsucker in so long um and it's just because of these rights issues with the book like i i can guarantee you they would probably would love to put him in idw mm-hmm. uh Ciro, who did the 2012 show i bet you he would have loved to put him in the horror season of uh that of 2012 yeah like yeah it did it kind of it kind of sucks that they can't use bloodsucker again yeah instead we now kind of get worm and i actually liked the the turtles universe issue with worm in it i thought they made him kind of a cool horror villain in there he's not bloodsucker but he's not bloodsucker but he's not bloodsucker but it's still a neat idea to have it be like a whole swarm of parasites well should we talk about news super quick i think we should jump into some news this is april o'neill of channel six so I don't know. Last week I said something about how they're not being another issue for a while or something. I was uh, totally wrong. Oh, issue one seventeen came out on June 9th. So that uh, was yesterday, as of our recording. Yeah. So the one that I thought was issue one seventeen, issue one eighteen, is going to be coming out June twenty third, end of June, for sure. We'll probably, you know, mention it in our news. Uh, and I've had I've had some things spoiled for me in 117, uh, but that just comes with the territory of people asking questions of your local certified Ninja Turtle expert. Um, and the things that I've had spoiled for me, if you haven't read the issue yet, I'm not going to spoil anything either. Um, but if you have felt that the current Mutant Town storyline has been a little too slow, things are picking back up now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has, I mean, it's been, you know, 16, 17 issues uh, so far of Mutant Town shenanigans. And even then, most of it wasn't Mutant Town. Um, when Sophie, you know, they had that little sidetrack where uh, Sophie wasn't doing the book. So it's, I get it, but things are going to pick up in, in this issue going forward. We're getting the Pantheon back soon. A lot of stuff's going in motion. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it turns out. I'm I'm getting caught up still, so I'm almost there. Yeah, same here. Uh, in other news, in toy news, uh, if you are still on the hunt for the Ninja Turtles in Disguise four-pack from NECA, uh, those are currently Wave 2 shipping to Target stores as of the end of May. Uh, I finally got my pack. Um so they're definitely hitting. It was funny. Uh, I went to one target in the morning and then my friend went to it after me and they had it. So I uh, thought that was, thought that was kind of funny. He wound up getting that set. Um, I got, I got a set um, from a different target. Uh, they are great figures. If you don't have them, I highly recommend you, you try and find them. Uh, do not pay scalper prices for them. They retail for $125 plus your local tax. Um, yeah 
if you don't get them this wave, wave three is going to be, be even bigger than wave one and two. And NECA said that if, if demand is still super high, then they will try and put them on either the NECAstore.com or on Target's website. So just be patient. Do not pay this to scalper prices. For yeah. This. Like, honestly, let a whole bunch of scalpers have them and leave them on eBay and let them lose a whole ton of money. Like, exactly. There would be nothing more satisfying than that. Exactly. Do not don't feed the scalpers. They can eat their toys that they don't sell. Yeah. Like that's that's all their fault and they kind of deserve it. So <laughs> let's see. In kind of annoying news, it's the middle of June and we don't have a release date for the Ninja Turtles or the rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie on Netflix. Kind of annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Not, I know it's not news, but Hey, I mean, it's definitely it worth the, talking the big about. Rumor, the big rumor was June that we'd have a, we'd, we'd get a release date. And I actually got a tip that we might get the release date today as we record and it didn't happen. So uh, I think we got like a Loud House movie announcement. <laughs> so, Well, I mean, that a movie was announced around the same time that they had announced that they were going to be doing this Rise movie. Because I remember them saying oh, it was like a, a few Nickelodeon things like no, you're properties right. you're that right. they were going to be putting on there. So it wouldn't surprise me if we get it in the next little bit. Yeah, you know, you're right. Um, in personal news, I've teased it before and I am finally committing to it now that I have access to Paramount+. Plus. I am starting my journey through the 2003 cartoon. Woo! So, <laughs> uh, first time I'm rewatching it since... Uh, uh, since probably the original time it aired. Um, in fact, I've seen the first episode so many times because I keep replaying the GameCube game. Mm-hmm. My name is Leonardo. My name is Leonardo. And right now, my brothers and I are in a mess <laughs> of trouble. We're not wearing costumes. Especially uh, not dweebs wearing stupid turtle costumes. He's wrong. We're not wearing <laughs> costumes. God. <laughs> and uh, okay <laughs> so i think i'm on issue or uh, episode four uh-huh. um uh stockman just failed splint uh shredder for the first time mm-hmm. and you know what it's it's exactly what i remember so far so um but i'm sticking it out got seven more seasons to go so i mean if you don't get through it now we'll get through it later that's true i you know i thought about waiting until we start to get to 2003 but that's what how many years from now oh it's gonna be like probably like three to like i don't know three probably about three years and that's the thing is like i don't want to i don't want to wait that long yeah to to watch this show um you know especially because like you know they put it on paramount plus and if they put it on Paramount Plus. It's because they want you to watch it there, and mm-hmm. that's the best way to show support for 2003. If you want it on Blu-ray or DVD, yeah, like support the sh- support the show officially mm-hmm. because that's how you get what you want. That's how you get what you want. That's how you get merch. That's how you get, you know, whatever it may be, merch, Blu-ray, DVD releases, whatever you want. Exactly. You know, I'm not really one to collect Blu-rays and stuff like that, but. You know, I'd love to see maybe, you know, a couple figures or something pop up. Maybe then I jump in on the on the uh, collector's train. I mean, we're, we're two years from the 20th anniversary of that show of 2003. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of wild that they haven't been building up to that. Yeah, well, and there's some cool designs in it, like for characters and different different characters that have been in that show. Yeah. It's, I don't know, I think it would be cool if they, they made some stuff that would like make me strongly consider actually buying. <laughs> getting into toys. Yeah, getting into toys, buying yeah, figures. Comes, Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I've been vicariously living the collector's world through through Mike. <laughs> Hearing him pick up stuff. As I sit here with all my turtles figures on my on my recording desk. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, uh, Spencer, what are we gonna do? And uh, what are we doing next week? Next week, speaking of watching cartoons, it's gonna be season three of the eighty-seven series, episodes thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. I forgot what episodes those were. Hang on. Yeah, usually Keith is here to uh, say what those were after I finish saying what episodes. I know. They are. Hang on, I got it, I got it. I'm going to pick up the slack here. All right, here we go. So episodes 13, 14, and 15, The Ninja Sword of Nowhere, 20,000 Leaks Under the City, and Take Me to Your Leader. Three episodes I do not remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I remember these either. And I watched them a few years ago, probably. I don't know. Well, it's been this even is... longer for me, so let me tell you. Uh, but yeah. So guys, if you enjoy the show, let us know somewhere on the internet, uh, preferably by leaving a review on wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you guys want to talk to us individually, uh, you can do that on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, or Facebook. You can talk to us at Ninja Turtle PH. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you like the show, tell a friend. Uh, if you guys have any cool stories about Ninja Turtles, let us know. Uh, if you watched those episodes of Ninja Turtles uh, for the 87 show, let us know too, because we'd love to hear about it. Uh, but yeah. All right. So that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, cowabunga dudes. Mew, mew. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Man, we just... It is a little weird without Keith. It is. It's weird without Keith. I just like... I need to... I don't know. I was about to say like, you know, I just need to pull a slice out for Keith. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I did a pizza for dinner, so... I'll, I missed I'll eat, an, I'll eat another slice for Keith. There you go. It's too bad that he became a baby. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we should maybe actually go hunt him down, huh? I guess so. Yeah, let's, let's go find a leech. Hey, if any of you have heard about a leech starting a podcast anywhere, let us know. Because we can maybe find him.
<laughs> that's probably our boy Keith. <laughs> no, it's not Keith. It's it's the leech. But <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Blood's bloodsuckers back. Bloodsuckers back. He just got podcaster blood this time. He's escaped the right the right issue. <laughs> he's got he got podcaster blood, and so you know if if you hear about any podcasts, oh god, bloodsucker starting his own podcast is kind of that, that's a funny idea. It's even creepier than him just being freaking thick. I wonder who would voice bloodsucker. Like I don't know. Put him in. Put him in eighty seven. Because you know what, bloodsucker could work in eighty seven. Yeah, I think it'd be a weird episode. He definitely wouldn't. He definitely wouldn't be as like horror themed. Mm-hmm. But I think that'd be a fun one. Yeah, I definitely feel like he could fit in in twenty twelve. If they oh, wanted de- to get him 100% in, one hundred percent in twenty twelve. Yeah, like that horror season, he could be in there. No problem. God, I I love twenty twelve, but that horror season just went on for so long. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just not really into horror myself, and so like episode after episode of horror parody was just kind of like, all right, like yeah, I see I can, what you're doing. I see I what can you're do doing. Do a little bit of horror, but yeah, like it was just so much. Yeah, I don't know. For me. I don't know. There was and still it, something. It was annoying because it like it ate up the Northampton arc. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I don't know. The 2012 series I struggle with still, and some of it's probably because I'm an adult now. The other bit I think is, is it just still feels a little bit more on the cartoony side than like the 2003 one does. Like there's just that Nickelodeon esque, and it could just be the animation itself. It could be the fact that it looks the same as the Penguins of Madagascar. Like, it's it's very cheap and that's that's one of my biggest issues with 2012 like i love the designs in 2012 but the whole show is very cheap yeah so anyway i kind of have issues like that and like i said it just kind of feels extra cartoony you know you have moments like mike eating too much pizza and being like super you know super huge and stuff it's yeah but that's a that's any turtle show really yeah, but like I don't know, he's like super cartoonishly like chubby, you know, like real big. It's just super, like I said, very very cartoony. No, I, I got it. Just kind of pulls you. me pulls the stakes out of the world. It just lets you know that like this is super not real. I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. All right, I am done for the night. Yeah, yeah. Well, better go. It's, find it's, Keith. it's starting to get warm, and I got to turn the air conditioner on. Yeah, better go find Bloodsucker. <laughs> yeah. All right. I will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Take care.